Genesis chapter 1, verse 6. And God said, Let there be firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which are under the firmament from the waters which are above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the second day and the morning were the second, sorry, and the evening and the morning were the second day. And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called he seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the third day. We're looking this evening at uh, these uh, few verses, uh, day two and uh, day three of uh, creation. Uh, life on earth uh, begins uh, is my uh, title. We've begun a short series on uh, this book of Genesis, just the first 11 chapters, a historical uh, narrative written uh, un by Moses under inspiration of God. And we uh, saw even a little bit last week how all the doctrines, those doctrines of grace uh, that we, know, we are familiar with in the New Testament, they're also found uh, here in this book of Genesis. And we looked last week at just day one, where God created the light and uh, the evening and the morning were the first day. And uh, now we're going to see how he's going to turn his attention uh, to uh, the earth. And now he's going to begin to prepare the earth for man to inhabit. Uh, man is, as you know, uh, going to be created on the sixth day. But now things, the land needs to be prepared. The land needs to be uh, furnished be readied for his coming. Just like we could say a new couple uh, expecting maybe their first child and well, they're so excited. Uh, before uh, the child comes, uh, is born, well, the, a, a room is set apart in the house. It's nicely decorated. The, a, a cot is bought, uh, baby clothes and baby items and toys to keep the child uh, content and satisfied. All these things are prepared. The room is prepared before the birth of the child. Uh, so also here we see in a similar sort of way, God preparing uh, the world, the earth and the heavens uh, so for man uh, to dwell in. So much care and uh, attention that he wants us uh, to notice uh, his hand in the way that he has prepared uh, these things. So day, day two, uh, we see here firstly, God creating just one thing, and that is, at the firmament. In verse 6, God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. A firmament, well, that would be like an expanse, a great, a vast space. And it speaks of, uh, the word means like a stretching out or a spreading out. 
and we could think of it as the sky that spreads out uh, from horizon uh, to horizon. It's very vast uh, expanse that was to separate the waters uh, that were uh, on the earth, on, on the seas, from the waters that were above, going to be above uh, this uh, firmament. firmament. Uh, it would reach, we read in verse 14 and 15, as high as the, the space, because into this firmament, into this space, into this uh, expanse, God was going to thrust, as it were, God was going to place uh, the lights of the world, the sun and the moon and the stars, all these would be placed in, into that great expanse. And then as we read in verse 20, in the lower part of this expanse, we read it would be a place where, for the, the fowls of the air that they may fly above the earth in the open firmament of uh, heaven. So on the one hand, it is near to us and visible to us, and yet on the other hand, it's suggesting that this firmament stretches all the way uh, to space uh, and must be extremely uh, uh, huge. And uh, just this is, is uh, created uh, on this day too. And it's something that, of course, God also wants us to pay attention to, to take notice of that he uh, has uh, created. Maybe it's something, I think, don't think it's something we usually talk about when we talk about creation, this expanse that God has created, the, the space, the atmosphere that he has created. We think of the other things, maybe the light and the, the creatures and so on. But here is something that even the Old Testament saints, actually, were very familiar with and uh, seem to have spoken about it and known about it clearly. In, uh, I'll just give you some text, Job uh, knew about it. Job spoke about the God which alone spreadeth out the heavens. And then the psalmist wrote again uh, of the Lord who stretcheth out the heavens like a curtain. Jeremiah, twice over he mentions this. Once in Jeremiah 51, verse 15, he said of God, of the Lord, he hath made the earth by his power, he hath established the world by his wisdom, and had stretched out the heaven by his understanding. And even Zechariah, that Old Testament prophet, that minor prophet, referred to Jehovah as the Lord which stretch, stretcheth out the heavens and layeth the foundation of the earth and formeth the spirit of man within him. So this was an, something they were familiar and attributed to God, the one who created that great and vast expanse, a, a space an environment for man to live in, for man uh, to an atmosphere which was just right for him, with the right proportion of air and gases uh, in it for him to thrive, not only for man, but for all living things, animals and plants, which the Lord was going to create. We all know, I think, 78% of our air is made up of nitrogen, and 21% is made up of oxygen. So much nitrogen because the plants need all that uh, nitrogen. And uh, God preparing all these things uh, in advance. But not only something else which is in uh, the atmosphere is those waves, the sound waves even, uh, that are there. Which again is a creation of God put into place so that we could communicate with each other or hear, hear at least uh, each other. 
Imagine if there were no sound waves. You couldn't hear what other people were saying. We wouldn't be able to appreciate the different noises that there, there are in the world. In, in, uh, in the world. Uh, we wouldn't be able to be soothed, soothed by instrumental music or to learn lessons from other people who have picked up things uh, by uh, verbally or in, in, in terms of spiritual things. We wouldn't be uplifted by congregational worship or sermons, or hearing other people's prayers, or it would be a terrible thing if we couldn't hear anything, if this world was a silent world, but God uh, uh, has created even this uh, physical thing, this, uh, these waves, invisible to us, but uh, so necessary, so useful, of course, for, for us, uh, for the world to uh, get on. Now, you may have heard, with regard to these verses, you may have heard of a theory called the vapor canopy theory or water vapor uh, uh, concept, uh, water vapor canopy. And basically it goes uh, something along uh, this line, uh, these lines, that when it refers here to the waters which were above the earth, or uh, uh, it says actually above the firmament, it's referring, uh, it's referring to a vast body of water or an invisible vapor that surrounds the whole uh, earth. And uh, this is what these people say. It's like a kind of protective layer around uh, the earth. And it's there, they say, well, uh, or at this time it was there to protect the people uh, from the, uh, the, the rays of the sun, the destructive rays of the sun, and also help to explain why people lived for such a long time in, the, in those times. This is, this is what's suggested. And uh, what's happened to it? What's happened to that layer? Well, it's said that at the time of Noah's flood, uh, when, you know, the waters came from underneath the ground, as well as from above, the windows of heaven opened from above. And they say, well, that was the time when uh, that, uh, that uh, vapor uh, gave way, that uh, canopy gave way. All the water came flooding out, and it was uh, no more. Well... We cannot say, while this has been held by Christians uh, for many years, and even many people today still uh, speak about it and preach about it, we cannot say for definite whether this is what, what, what God, what was actually happening, and what the scriptures are saying here. Uh, whether it's the correct interpretation or not, I think is a little bit subject uh, to question, because some of the, the things that the, these verses suggest seem to contradict uh, that idea. This, as we said, the sun and the moon and the stars were in this expanse, as we read in verse, or see in verse 14. The sun and moon, the stars, were all high up. They're in space. And we read the waters are above that expanse. So that would put the waters in a lot further away than just above the earth, an invisible canopy above the earth. And also the older commentators, well, they, they spoke not only of it extending to space, but even further into the third heavens. So there are other reasons as well, but we uh, really don't have time uh, to go into it. But just to mention these things, because there is, I think, uh, it is a little bit of a, a gray area, uh, what the waters above the earth uh, signify. But in terms of the atmosphere that was created, well, it was an unpolluted atmosphere.
created for life and for man in particular. A suitable environment for him, a pleasant environment for him. And it was only the fall, isn't it? Sad to say, the fall affected the atmosphere. The fall um, resulted in that atmosphere becoming polluted. And now we, we know even the atmosphere itself is harmful and can lead even to, uh, to death. But uh, spiritually speaking as well, the, the, the atmosphere has changed since the fall. God made everything, it was good. There was nothing hurtful, there was nothing harmful. But now we live in an environment which is spiritually uh, harmful uh, to our souls. And we think of Christ. We think of the Creator and how He came into this uh, environment, an environment that was opposed to Him. The Creator uh, came into, uh, He should have been received, but He was unwelcome. They didn't receive Him uh, and rejected Him. He was loved by some, but He was also hated and despised by many. What a, how, how hard it must have been for him who was holy in all his thoughts, in all his ways, who breathed the pure atmosphere of heaven, to leave heaven and come and stay amongst us and have to see and be aware and put up with uh, the thoughts of men, the intentions of men, the sinful things that he was aware of, to hear the sounds sometimes of praise, but at the last, crucify him, crucify him. All these things uh, which would have made him feel no doubt very unpleasant and very uncomfortable, yet he endured it all for the sake of his people, for the sake of his elect people. He was willing to subject himself to such uh, unpleasant things. And then also we can, we can uh, praise God because we know that one day uh, this new this world will will be uh, destroyed as it is and a new heavens and a new earth uh, will be created and conversion pre is going is preparing has prepared us for that place we will have a part in in that place and we will be able to survive there as only survive people can can breathe that air it's a pure atmosphere free from sin but conversion and salvation has prepared us for that, uh, that home, that new heavens and new earth wherein dwells uh, righteousness. And there the sounds are good. There the sounds of perpetual praise are heard, to, uh, are heard and we will join in also with that. But then we move uh, to day uh, three, verse eight, before that God called the firmament heaven and the evening and the morning were the second day. And then the third day, God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together unto one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. The waters covered the whole land at that time. But when God spoke, well, there was a great upheaval and the water uh, retires, draws back into vast basins, into vast hollows in the earth's crust. And most likely there were some volcanic eruptions which catapulted the, the mountains into the sky. And as the waters uh, receded, the dry land appeared. Not all a flat land, but uh, even hills and valleys uh, of uh, different 
uh, shapes and sizes, a great variety of the land appeared uh, once the waters uh, receded. Beautiful even then to a certain degree, and yet without color, dry and barren. Or we, we, we see something of the landscape uh, even uh, in our own, uh, in, in the UK. When you travel to England and Wales or Scotland, you know, every country has a different kind of landscape. And especially if you go to Scotland, where you see the, the locks and the valleys, and it's, it's a source of great admiration for us, the handiwork uh, of God. But we ask the question, and it's, which is often asked, was the land configured at this time into separate continents, or as we see it today, or was it one big landmass, one supercontinent? Well, which one uh, was it? Well, it seems to be the latter. It seems to be one uh, large uh, supercontinent at this initial stage, and it seems to be broken up uh, at a later point, most likely uh, at the time of the flood, when that massive catastrophe uh, resulted in uh, large and rapid movements of the Earth's plates, and uh, the continents broke up, that, that large supercontinent broke up into the continents that we see uh, even today. Not, uh, not over millions of years, but even uh, over a short space of time. Somebody has said, I don't know, I don't know, I've never, not done this myself, but somebody has said, if you look at a, a map of the world, you can be more or less put that jigsaw together and join all the parts uh, together, uh, and it all comes, uh, comes back in as a whole, but I haven't tried that myself. Uh, but that's what we think uh, happened at this time. And then verse 10, God called that dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called he seas, and God saw that it was good. Now, even here in the calling, there is a lesson for us. Uh, in the ancient oriental view, if you gave something a name, well, it meant that you were exercising a sovereign right uh, over, over that thing or that person. When you, a child is born into your family, you have the right. That child, in a sense, has been given to you, yes, by God, but at the same time also belongs to you, and you have a right to give it a, a name. And here also we see God calling uh, the, the heaven, uh, the, the land, uh, earth, and he calls the, the waters, the seas, the oceans the, uh, that we have today. He called the firmament a uh, heaven. This belongs to God. It shows that this is God's world. It's not man's world. It belongs to him. He has the sovereign right over it. Uh, he has the right to, to keep it. He has the right to dispose of it as and when he chooses. This is, as the song goes, the hymn, this is my father's uh, world. So we see the sovereignty of God uh, in this. And then also we see in the, uh, in the following verses that life, the beginning of life. In verses 11 and 12, God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and a fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. Life uh, begins. Plant life begins with plant life, the organic life, 
self-producing and uh, again so a wonderful uh, creation again be in preparation for the animals and for the birds and for man we see this in verse 29 uh, and God said behold I've given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed to you it shall be for meat and then verse 30 and to every beast of the earth and to every fowl of the air and to everything that creepeth upon the earth wherein there is life I have given every green herb for meat and it was so Gra uh, grass uh, grass firstly the earth was to bring forth at God's word the grass that which is a green that, that which grows green the, the, the sprouts and then herbs the plants and the, the vegetation with their seed the flowers I think we could also include there and the fruit tree with their seed enclosed in the fruit after his kind no weeds no weeds, nothing to worry about. That came after the fall, but everything, uh, everything prepared after his, his kind. Well, that refers to the different families of trees or the different families of plants. We know that there are great varieties in the species, but this, the, the species don't jump from one kind uh, to another. They stay within the family. The great thing that evolution cannot explain and cannot understand. They say, what about this, uh, uh, this, this and that? But they're always within the, the families. The cats, there's so many variety of cats or so many variety of dogs. They're all within one family. They're all of the same kind. And they don't uh, jump across the kinds even uh, today. So uh, uh, evolutionists do have a problem uh, with that but the dry land is now adorned with this uh, uh, green grass and abundance of it abundance of plants and trees uh, fruit trees and other kinds of trees are also primarily for food but also aesthetically uh, pleasing to the eye nice beautiful to look at it, even color even comes in uh, we can say maybe for the first time we're seeing uh, uh, color. What would our world be without color? It would be so uh, miserable, isn't it, and dull. But the plants and the cre uh, trees here, notice, uh, friends, they're created mature. They're created ripe. They've already grown. They're not just seedlings in the ground. They're all already ready to be uh, eaten. The trees are, are, are ready uh, with the fruit dangling from them, ready to be plucked and enjoyed. All these things uh, had to be in this way, of course, because when the animals and the man came along, well, that would just be in the next few days. They couldn't wait a year uh, for these things to happen. So God created the world at that time, these things, with a sense of maturity. And it looked as if, when you looked at it, as if it had been there for ages. It was uh, already, but it was only made on that uh, one day. Uh, so it had the appearance of age but it was just a, a, a new creation. And we can apply these things uh, also to us uh, spiritually. Once again, we, we, isn't this what God, God does also uh, with those that he saves? Before we come to Christ, 
Oh, well, our lives are, are like that dry land, barren, really, and dry, and uh, without any, uh, anything for God, spiritually lifeless, spiritually a desert, spiritually there is no fruit uh, to God. We're unable to produce fruit. It's only when God speaks into our lives and saves us by regeneration and spiritual life is imparted to our soul and then almost immediately one sees a fruit in that repentant and converted person. Almost immediately one sees evidence there of life. There's repentance, there's faith in Christ, there's a dependence on God which was not there before. There's an, a, a bent towards God, and that's a desire for God, a hunger for Him, a hunger for the Word, a desire to learn. All these signs of life coming uh, into, uh, into a person's heart and life. The fruit of the Spirit in that sense, and also, of course, the fruit of the Spirit. In, as, ex, as, uh, as Paul says in Galatians, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. All these things are planted in a, a believer when they are regenerated. And they, they're seen to a certain degree even very soon. And how pleasing that is in God's eyes. And uh, 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 even though it's not there, uh, even though it's, it needs to be developed, yet it's there. And to a certain degree, uh, these things are also seen. Life. Life, if God imparts life, surely it must be visible. But can we not also say, friends, that just like here, not only uh, does, that God also, uh, I beg your pardon, that God also makes our life colorful, just like the colors are pleasing to the eye, so also we could say, in a sense, God beautifies us. God uh, does a work in us. God gives us a character that is pleasant and appealing uh, to others. And uh, even, even though it's nothing of ourselves and it's, it's all God's doing, yet real changes are wrought in our hearts and in our characters to make us better than what we were before. Or we remember what we were like before. We were nasty before. We were unpleasant before. We were unkind before in so many ways. And though we're not perfect now, though we still have rough edges, yet surely... That we are, we are, the Lord has beautified us in some way, so that when people look at us, and especially we think of unbelievers, hey, they will see something that is different in us that they don't have, something that we have, that God has done in us, that, they, that will bring them uh, to wonder and to ask, hopefully, uh, what is the reason for these things? Sadly, some people, even some believers, well, they give a a bad testimony and because their inconsistent conduct well it ends up being a negative uh, to the Lord's name and a dishonor uh, to uh, his name but we were not meant to be like that we were meant to be uh, uh, lights which bring uh, uh, which bring a joy to other believers and even brings people to inquire uh, after us and what what's made is that way but one one other thing before i close and that is all these this plants this vegetation the fruit uh, was prepared now but it was to be used later it was to be eaten later 
by the animals and of course by people. So also there's a lesson for us here in instrumentality and usefulness. That God prepares us now, God makes us, uh, changes us now in order that we may be a blessing uh, to other people, in order that we may, our lives may also uh, touch uh, other people's lives. And I think that's a lesson that's also we can draw uh, from uh, this text. And so the Lord, uh, the, and we read verse 12, the earth brought forth grass and herb, yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the third day. Every day uh, stops, and we are called, it's a call to us to stop and reflect on what God uh, has done. So day, this is it, friends. Day two and day, uh, day three. God is preparing the earth for man, filling it with good things, just like Christ has said. He has gone ahead of us to prepare a place for us in his Father's house, that where he is, we may be also.